Right, hello everybody, we're back with another Westminster Roundup with me, Maya Tusi, and with me, we have Peter Barnes. Hello, Peter, how are you? Hi, Maya, it's great to be back, how are you doing? It's been a while, we missed the, well, last week, and I think a couple of sessions, but, you know, everything's yeah. fine. Yeah, Westminster <laughs> is still stable, right? <laughs> Take well, <it. laughs> as stable as Westminster can ever be. <laughs> it's never stable. It's a bit of a mess right now, because uh, today we're going to be talking about what happened at Labour Conference. But also what to kind of expect from Tory conference, because uh, uh, we got to talk about some of the changes, policy changes that are coming in in the middle of a Tory conference, which is slightly weird timing for the Tories. Uh, and, you know, we're also going to be talking about Julian Assange, uh, the latest that we have from uh, uh, the State Department and also the uh, CIA in America, uh, the way they're handling the Assange character in general. So firstly, um, you've obviously been trying to catch up with the, the Labour conference. I was in a uh, Croatia. So yeah, tell us the updates. <laughs> yeah, while well, you were sunning yourself on a beach, some of us are actually doing some work. <laughs> well, it's interesting, really, this Labour conference. It's, it's been quite a unique one. Um, a lot of us were all, um, a lot of us analysts, we were all sat around really talking about how we think it was going to go for them. And a lot, we were all saying, we thought this could be a disaster. Um, and actually, to be fair, it wasn't as bad as many of us expected. There were actually some good things that what came out What were you expecting? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was expecting basically car crash TV every night. But to be fair, it has only happened on like two of the five nights. So it wasn't that bad. Um, mm. But no, I have to admit, this wasn't as disastrous as many of us thought it was going to be. There has been, finally, finally, we've got some interesting policies coming out of the Labour Party. Well, about four of them, but it's more than <laughs> we've had before. Um, and to be honest, um, it wasn't overall that bad for them. Now, unfortunately, about two years ago, I had to go to Labour Party conference. Oh. And I tell you right now, it was one of the most genuinely terrifying experiences of my entire life. Um, it is very different to Conservative Party conference and how it all works and it's very procedural and the, everyone's got your own little factions everywhere. Um, it's it's quite a unique way of running a, a kind of political party. Um, mm. But one thing that was very clear that coming out of this Labour Party conference, the one thing that is completely inescapable is that the Labour Party are still as disunited as they have ever been. They are at war with each other. And all the major figures are trying to brush over. They're saying, like, oh, no, Keir did a great speech. And, oh, you know, and I was just like, yeah, but he got heckled throughout of it, you know. And I was just like, if you look at the fringe events, it was yep. very factiony, like, you know, Richard Bergen and like yep. his little merry band of people, he, they had their lot and Angela Rayner had theirs and Jeremy Corbyn just kept popping up everywhere like a bad smell. It was genuinely awful for them on that front. Um, yeah. No the, matter how much they try, sorry, go. I mean, they, they, what I was going to ask is because um, the way we see Labour Conference or the Labour Party in general, they're, they're three main factions. I mean, because obviously they've got mini factions inside each faction, which is mm. brilliant. Uh, <laughs> you've got on the one side, uh, they, they now call them the non-Labourites, the, the Blairites, the New Labour, the, the Tories, you know, the, the, the Blue Tories and all those guys, uh, or the Red Labour, whatever they are. And uh, but these are the people who gained the government. <laughs> and uh, yeah. then you've got the Corbynists and the Marxists and the hardcore kind of militants who love to protest. Then you've got the trade unionist side. And uh, again, we know that there are factions inside it. So some of them are Corbynists and so, mm -hmm. some of them are like uh, Paul Embry, like the, the old school uh, working classes who some of them are actually Brexiteers. Do you not think that uh, considering Corbyn had a problem because he didn't have the support of the, the side that wanted to win elections uh, and also even Ed Miliband, didn't have the same problem as uh, Starmer because Ed Miliband at least had the support of the unions. Do you think that Starmer's problem is not that he doesn't have, have the support of the Corbynistas, that he doesn't have the support of the unions? 
it's interesting when it comes to Keir Starmer and the unions. Um, he's not exactly trusted by many of them because he's not, like you say, he's not really the kind of the died in the wool, will take it to the barricades kind of Labour figure, like like a Jeremy Corbyn esque type. Um, and particularly uh, the election of the new Unite leader, she's made it very clear that she wants to back away from getting involved in Labour Party policy and and getting and you know they're threatening to turn off the money tap. Um, so it is interesting. Starmer's relationship with the trade unions. Uh, the interesting enough, it was the National Bakers Union yep. actually uh, pulled out of being affiliated with the Labour Party. That's uh, doesn't they, you don't think that's not, it's not the biggest trade union in the world. What's that quite important is that they were one of the founding members of the Labour Party. So, like when you're getting people who have been involved in it since its very conception, pulling out saying we want nothing to do with it anymore, that is a major indicator that there is something terribly wrong. Yeah, and. The thing with Starmer is, and he, he said, that, and like he kind of briefed this before his main speech, he's saying like he wants to win before uniting. And I think that is the dumbest thing you can ever argue because yeah. you can't win if you're not united. <laughs> if what, I mean, Keir Starmer did a thing with the BBC a couple of months ago with Laura Kunzberg, and he went up to Blackpool to speak with Labour Party voters. And the biggest thing they kept saying is, you're all disunited. You don't like each other. And then he comes out and says, oh, well, it doesn't matter if we don't like each other as long as we win. <laughs> and I'm like, don't get me wrong, on that kind of political front, you don't all have to get along. No. You don't have to be. You don't have to go on, all go on holiday together, but you have to be able to sit in the same room. Yeah. And one thing that's very clear is they don't want to be in the same room as each other. But that's the you thing, mean, people don't really get it. They, I think people like Starmer assume that they could copy it and paste the Tory mentality uh, because they, they yeah. see the Tory party as even if we hate each other, disagree with each other, uh, we kind of unite. But the, the, the way the Tories do, first, it's a different culture. Uh, and also, the, the Tory party is not based on ideologies, but just based on a set of values and just win elections. So yeah. it, it will come to a point where even if you dislike the leader, you just respect them and just like get behind them instead of like going out there like and start doing media briefings or whatever. They But they can't do it in the Labour Party. And I think Blair, up to a point where uh, he kind of got certain things right in the sense that he somehow managed to still have the support of the unions uh, because he was still actually providing the the working class rhetoric, at least in a pre-97 election anyway. And then he managed to get the Labour Party to actually unite behind the fact that you need to unite then and then win. Yeah. But he didn't realise, Starmer, that you, know, you kind of still need to at least get the factions who are the winners and important to actually um, do this. Uh, my question to you is a lot of people are going to leave comments or email you know, saying that, oh, why do you guys talk about the Labour Party? They're irrelevant. They don't represent anyone. What's your response to that? Because I always say that, yeah, of course, they are irrelevant and, you know, they're not going to win elections at this point. But they are, firstly, they're still the second main party. And uh, you know, the second issue is that they their rhetoric is still dangerous. You know, they, they can still affect other groups and other movements. Oh, 100%. It's that, it's that final point as to why we pay so much attention to them. Oppositions that are in a very unique position, a new, very unique position, is that the fact that they aren't really accountable for any policy or anything that they actually say. So what they can do is just cause trouble the entire time. Now, one thing I admired about Keir Starmer during the pandemic is he says, well, we're not just going to play politics with it. And to be fair, when Kat, um, was it, what, I can't remember her name, Kat Green, Kate Green, sorry, the education secretary said, um, oh, we can't let a good crisis go to waste. He slapped her down very quickly. And he said, no, we're not doing that. And I, I actually admired him for that. But I'm now we're now starting to notice that they are starting to play politics with a lot more things. And... It's very dangerous, some of the rhetoric they're coming out with, and it's pushing people 
away from not necessarily the truth, but away from thinking about things in a certain kind of way. And the Labour Party, whether we like them or not, I still have a soft spot for them. You know, I come from a Labour heartland. I grew up around Labour people. I kind of know the values that they think the Labour Party should have. And I do genuinely feel sorry for so many Labour Party voters and Mm. supporters that have had to put up with the, the chaos of the last, what, five years, really? Oh, if you want to go even further, the last 10 years of the absolute chaos that they've been put through and, like, how they still... I I get annoyed when they begrudgingly vote for Labour. just like, well, don't don't vote for them. But they still feel like they're connected to the party. The people have an emotional connection to the Labour Party much more than than we Conservatives have to our party. We're quite happy to hang our party out to drive it, does something stupid. The people on the Labour side... Have much more understanding and they want the Labour Party to do better. Yeah. And I think that's it's one of the reasons that we have to keep talking about that we have to watch what they're doing. It's because people have that emotional bond. And but that's trying like, to tease voters away from that has been very difficult for the Labour for, for Conservatives for a long time. I think you're spot on in terms of the sympathy, uh, especially when it comes to people with the, that mentality, the working classes and the people who believe <sighs> in the, those, the basic values of what Labour used to represent. Because I, we still get, you know, I got, I got supporters and uh, followers on this channel who um, leave comments saying that we used to uh, support Labour, but we can't anymore, and they're angry. Yeah. It's like how some people say, oh, we voted for Conservative, but now we can't, so we're going to find a new right-wing party. But the way, yeah. I, the, the, way the, the former Labour voters talk about it is because they're actually generally just really angry because uh, yeah. they, they say, you forced us to vote for Tories. Uh, we don't yeah. we didn't want to, but the, you you are so bad and so woke and so like you know regressive mm. that then you can't really represent us anymore. I think that uh, you're absolutely right that uh, even if we don't care about the party, but you know caring about the people who have the mentality, uh, they mm. they need some sort of home. I don't think they have a home right now. I uh, yeah, I th- I think you're completely right there. It's interesting you bring up the the, the two woke. Just just look how much the the whole um, Keir Starmer and. Um, the transgender debate has just blown up in his face Mm. on a a degree that not even me and you predicted. Because I remember (laughs) when we spoke uh, on this channel not so long ago about when the SNP introduced a policy around self-identification and we were all saying, well, what's the Labour Party going to do? But even me, we both said it's going to blow up. But I did not expect it to blow up this badly in their faces. I mean, this was one of the main stories that dominated conference for the Labour Party. And it didn't even happen at conference. The comment was made a couple of days before and they just couldn't escape it. Yeah. You know, every, every, every major Labour figure was made to confront this, this uh, issue, the trans issue. And not a single one of them came up with the same answer at any point. Yeah. Um, but then if you look, if you translate that back to voters and say, even like the former voters, they're not big into the trans issue. They do have the problems with it. They do have yeah. legitimate concerns about how it's going to affect their kids or grandkids. And, yeah. you know, and, you know, and these uh, particularly women only spaces is the major crux of this, of the trans argument. And, you know, there are some real passions and some real, like say real anger yeah. from, uh, from former voters, uh, Labour Party, Labour Party voters who are just like, what are you doing? <laughs> that's it. I think that's the, the kind of the main point. And, and the issue is, again, goes back to, Starmer not having the balance of uniting the party or trying to just win without uniting it. And it's mm. quite rare, but we have a live comment and question from uh, oh. Lacey, 23, in London. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about that issue, saying, um, uh, but how are they going to push policies uh, even if they do unite for an election? Because different ideas will mean no policies will get through the House. 
because uh, you know, you've got to have the, the tribalism side of it. Uh, you know, it will kill the government. Vote of no confidence will happen and those issues. Um, you know, th- I think that's a, one of the main points. Uh, how would they have... I think that there's no win-win situation for Starmer or the Labour leadership. I think the, the party needs to go through a big, dark phase change. Um, yeah. On one side needs to basically destroy the other side to win, right? <laughs> Yeah, so basically, well, the way the way that it would probably work if Labour ever, God forbid, ever did get into power, is it Sama would have to kind of I can't remember which politician used to say pot up or shut, pot up and shut up. You know, he's got you back into the he's got you back into power. He deserves to have a little bit of leeway mm-hmm. over policy. Now, don't get me wrong, you are always going to have your fringe lunatics in every political party mm. at, at the top end of it. You always are, but. I do think that if Labour did get into power, I don't think there would be that much of a policy backlash because they now sit on the government benches and not in opposition benches. The biggest problem they have at the minute is they don't agree on how to get back into government. That's the real debate within the Labour Party. That you've got the Starmerites and the kind of and the Tory and the Blairites who are pushing more of that that those kind of policies, more centre 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 left policies, and then you have the radical far left. Mm. If we believe that you've got to be more left wing at every general election, well, we didn't win because we weren't left wing enough, so we'll try again and we'll be more left wing. That's their mentality. They think that that's the way to go. That's where the real divide mm. is coming from. It's not about policies in particular, mm. it's the way to win that they're actually arguing about. Um, yeah, and that's. And it, it's, it's, it is going to be interesting to see. And I do think you're right that the, the Labour Party is going to get a lot worse before it gets any better. I don't think Starmer is this kind of the second coming of Tony Blair that many in the media predicted him to be. Yeah. I, I actually felt sorry for him uh, when he became Labour leader. And like I was reading all these articles saying like how he was going to take it on to Boris. He, I was former barrister, so he was not going to let Boris squiggle out of any questions and, and all the rest of it. It's just like, <laughs> you were put the pedestal about here for him. Like, you know, there's no way. Opposite of Corbyn, that. basically, because with Corbyn, yeah, was down with Corbyn, they lowered the standards yeah. for him. But the, uh, because they th- because they were so desperate <laughs> to some- for somebody to take on uh, Boris Johnson and the kind of new kind of nationalist populism that was kind of growing under 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 him, um, they were just like, we need this guy to do really well. And so we're going to give him all the popular press we can give him. Yeah. And then he was just like, guys, and then if Lisa basically should have turned around and said, guys. I've still got the same problems Jeremy Corbyn had. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, in terms you know? of uh, in terms of uh, standing up to Boris, and at least in terms of the House of Commons debate, whether you like mm-hmm. him or not, someone like uh, Andy Burnham, because he's, he's a good performer and is an actor, oh. uh, he'll be he'll be better than that uh, than, than kind of a Starmer, and he'll he, be, yeah. be weirdly dangerous because he's he's a, he's a very very good actor. He'll be, he'll be, he'll be oh, the thing okay. that he did so a few months ago. I ha- I don't know whether it's because I come I, I come from Wigan and yeah. Andy Burnham's obviously the mayor of Greater Manchester. I can't stand the guy. And, I, you know, there is something about him that gets right under my skin. But what annoys me the most is what you've just said. He is an excellent political yep. operative. He knows what he's doing. And yep. at some level, I have to admire him for it. Yeah, exactly. And I hate myself. I hate myself <laughs> for saying, I watched him do it. He did an interview on BBC Northwest tonight, which is like the local news up there. And he, it was to do with a rugby player who's got um, uh, motor neuron disease. And all the rest of it. And I was just, I watched, I watched this interview. It's just like, he's just shown more personality mm-hmm. in a five minute brief interview than Keir Starmer has in two years. I'm like, if this guy ever did become Labour yeah. leader, the Tories are in real trouble, like yeah. real trouble. 
Um, but it just annoyed me so much because I was like, I have to stop praising this guy. <laughs> I mean, it's a good point. It's the same feeling I had uh, with uh, Greta Thunberg's speech a couple of days ago with yeah. the blah, 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 because it, it's very interesting because uh, what Greta does, or at least people around her to help her to do it, and also, you know, give some credit mm. to her. I'm guessing she has some sort of creativity as well. But, you know, she, she delivers it. Whether we like what she says or not, the sort of like weird stuff that she does, the publicity stunts, they work and they stand out. Uh, just yeah. like the how dare you comment uh, the other day with the blah 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 speech it stands out everyone's talking about it all the other politicians who stood on the same platform to, to give you know give uh, green speeches and all that stuff yeah. no one remembers that no one cares about that no. but Greta uh, stands up says blah 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 people clap like sheep and then that's it so it's you know it's one of those uh, you know give credit to her and like you know <laughs> and, oh, and the team because no, it works me wrong. Polit- politics is a performance yeah. art like it's giving a speech is is actually a very difficult skill that not many people have. Mm. And I don't get me wrong, I'm no Greta Thunberg fan, mm. but I take my hat off to her to give speeches in front of so many people. And you know, and the world's press is following around. I'm sure many people will agree with me that she's kind of asked for this attention and all the rest yeah. of it. But actually, to operate in it is yeah. incredible. Yeah. And I I do take my hat off to her again. I don't particularly like it. No, I mean, I same with me. Of her ability to do it. I mean, essentially, she said everything without saying anything. And and I yeah, and I hated that, her liking it. I was like, what the hell? Skill, she didn't say it, but she actually said it. It's <laughs> incredible. But yeah. it's the opposite it of politicians. Is. They say a lot, but they don't actually say anything. She actually didn't say anything, but she said it. Um, but you, yeah, but just really quickly on that, one thing you do have to remember is that politicians are accountable. Yeah. Activists are yeah, Exactly. So a politician has to go back to their own country, if it's a UN speech or whatever, uh, their own constituency, and justify what they've just yeah, said. If true. you're an activist, you are held accountable to literally nobody. So you can be more provocative. You yeah. can push the boundary a little bit more because yeah. your career isn't really at stake <laughs> that's the thing i mean speaking of uh, accountability and you know at least people should be more flexible the tory party is going to be in, in manchester for conference uh, and you mentioned that uh, andy burnham he's not gonna be happy about that but it's, <laughs> the, the weird situation is a dog as well almost someone's not happy about the conference yeah uh, <laughs> sorry that's just my dog <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> it happens uh, but one of the things that is going on, uh, there are a lot of changes and policy changes happening now uh, at the same time as uh, the Tories gathering in Manchester. Uh, tell us a, a, about a few of them because there are a few changes happening right now. Okay, yeah. So obviously the Conservatives are heading to Manchester over the weekend. They're there till Wednesday. Um, I know me and you were going and a few others. Um, it's, got, it's one of my favourite times of the year because I'm a complete political nerd. Uh, but yeah, you are right. It is interesting that over the party conference there is going to be a, a number of um, policy changes and in particular it's going to be the end of the universal credit uplift is due to happen on the wednesday now on wednesday is when boris johnson is due to give his big party speech um what were they thinking be, <laughs> I, this this I, I i really i really hope that this is all just a complete accident <laughs> and like you know, oh, the civil service do it on purpose. <laughs> oh, the, good God. Don't, let's not let's wander down that conspiracy rabbit hole, shall we not? Um, but yeah, so the universal credit is usually end on the 6th of October. And um, it's interesting that today, um, Jacob Rees-Mogg came out and said that the country is taxed enough already. So it's going to be interesting about where the, the country is going to start finding this money because, as we know, furlough ended on Thursday. Um, so that's that's another big kick of the teeth for a lot of people who are relying on mm-hmm. money. 
Uh, he also puts a lot of jobs in jeopardy. Uh, the Resolution Foundation, yeah. which kind of looks into employment, uh, said it's a rough, it leaves about a million people in, in limbo about whether they're going to be kept on in their jobs or whether they're not. Because um, if you actually remember the furlough, it, it helped 11.6 million people. Wow. And it, it, it did cost £70 billion. So it did have to end at some point. Still cheaper than HST, um, though. It's still cheaper than HST. <laughs> yeah. How ridiculous is that? Paying the nation's wages is still cheaper than building a train. So bad. <laughs> that is ridiculous. When you put it into that perspective, it is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, um, so that's ending. But also what's happened today is that the new price energy cap has been risen. So um, energy prices from today have gone up. It's about, on average, about £139 per household, and it's, and it's roughly about 50 million homes that are affected. So kind of when you add all these things together, mm. we are wandering very close to a cost-of-living crisis. Wow. I mean, then don't forget, you've got the fuel prices are going up. There was a chap on the news just yesterday. I can't, I can't remember which group he was from. It's something to do with restaurants and bars. I apologize. I can't remember who he was from. But he was saying that if the VAT holiday, like the kind of VAT holiday, as it's been called, if that ends prices in bars and restaurants, is going to go up. The government has to get a grip on this. And unfortunately, it's happening right in the middle of Conservative Party conference. Wow. It is somewhat of a PR nightmare for them. This, uh, the um, thing is, in terms of the changes, uh, we know that the Tories are at least you know, somewhat good when it comes to mm. PR uh, and, and uh, pre-briefing the press. So do you think yeah. that Jacob be smart? Because they do it sometimes pre-conferences. Jacob be smart as someone who's in government, essentially, going out there, say those sort of things about tax. Do you think that's either him as an individual just you know expressing his views, or do you think that's kind of planned to kind of give some sort of pre-content to what we could expect from the agenda? I imagine it's probably a little bit of both. Um, when it comes to Jacob, what what I think if I was running number 10 comms, what I would have said is get someone like Jacob who smoked to say we're taxed enough already, because that is a little bit of red meat to the kind of Thatcherite wing of the Conservative mm. Party that have been moaning very loudly for the last two years over a lot of the COVID stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think there is an element of maybe they could be could have been briefed to say it. Don't get me wrong, the media, uh, politicians brief the media pretty much every other day. Yep. And, and there's no such thing as a breaking news story in reality. Not everybody really. is briefed. Um, everybody leaks. But yeah, no, it, everybody leaks. Every, every, everything's a sieve. Uh, but yeah, it is, I, I do think you, you have a very strong point there that there is, I do think it's a little bit of number 10, Saying like, come on, let's let's start laying the foundations to keep people happy. Good cup, because bad cup. we know that some people are. <laughs> yeah. But then also, I do think that Jacob Rees-Mogg will have gone along with it because I think he happens to agree with the sentence. That's the thing. I mean, <laughs> we, we, I mean, we got the going to have the conference. There's going to be a lot of events, a lot of discussion. Mm. It's not going to be as divisive as the Labour conference, but there will be a lot no. of uh, big big ten Tories. There's going to be a lot of different views. So you're going to have people. Uh, yeah. Some people who view uh, who watch these videos, they don't go to conferences. Um, will be surprised to hear that there are actually some Tory members who are in favour of uh, nationalising the railways. So there are really oh. diverse views. But in terms of the, the prime minister's speech, because that's going to be huge, um, mm. two questions. What do you want and also what do you expect will actually happen? Um, what I want is a kind of renewal. I, the Conservative mm. Party, obviously, has been battered by Brexit. Don't say build back better. Do not say build back better. <laughs> no, no, not build back better. But 
I expect something along that line. Uh, I expect it and I want it at the, at the same time. Mm. Um, I really want a uh, kind of fresh new policies. I'd like something shiny, something mm. new yeah. that the Conservatives can announce and that everyone can be excited over. Because the problem is we're now, like I said, with these new kind of cost of living crises on the, on the edge of things, we're now about to wander back into very boring politics. We're about to wander back into fiscal policy and economics. And it's just going to, everyone's just going to get a blank face and no one's going to, no one's going to care anymore because it's not the culture wars. It's not Brexit. You can't really shout at somebody over an economic, over an economic measure. Um, so I'm expecting something rather big to be announced. And I, I really hope something is, is coming in the, in, the, uh, in the pipeline. But I'd like to see some kind of seriousness come back into government about tackling these problems. I expect, I expect one thing to be mentioned about a thousand times, and that is levelling up. I, 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 what, I, what I plan to do is sneak in a hip flask into the conference and when he gives a speech and every time he does, says the word levelling up, I'm going to do a shot and I want to see how drunk I can be by the end of the speech because I, my prediction is I'm going to be hammered. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. T- Tory leaders' speeches are, are very, very polished and very, very yeah. carefully worded up to a point where it actually gets annoying because uh, at least for, for political nerds, you know, if you're going to count the words, yeah. they will literally, because they, cause they know why it works. Certain like phrases, you just have to keep saying it yeah. And then eventually it goes to people's mind, like, get Brexit done. But the problem yeah. is, what I expect is, uh, well, what I want as well is that renewal sort of thing. And also some sort of redemption uh, that, you know, guys, right-wingers, trust me again. But what I expect yeah. to happen, uh, the, the Tory machine and Downing Street and CCHQ, these guys uh, clearly watched uh, Starmer's speech and the reaction to it. Mm-hmm. And they know what it lacked. One of the things it lacked was certain phrases that was uh, that was missing, including discussions on housing and uh, even Brexit and all that stuff, or post-Brexit Britain. So they are going to go complete. That's what I expect. Completely crazy on housing. They're going to mention housing a lot. They're going to mention like post-Brexit Britain again because that's part of the easy sell of the yeah. renewal. Uh, it's a win-win. But I don't know if he, you know, if he mentions things like HS2. Considering it's already divisive, because <laughs> I think to be fair, these people because they go with leveling up. They are still going to be mentioning that just as a side note and quickly move on from it because it, because it's part of the project because otherwise it's too vague. It's like Northern Powerhouse. What is it? You know, you have to yeah. explain it. Otherwise, this leveling up stuff is going to be the main thing. I'm trying to think what the slogan is probably going to be. It's because it's last time was Build Back Better because that was the phase of yeah. uh, when all governors and leaders signed up to uh, the WEF in terms of the agenda. So everyone was like, oh yeah, yeah, we're going to go with this PR message, um, Build Back Better. But this time, I think it's going to be a similar thing without being that. So again, like a renewal thing, rather than like a rebuilding thing. Mm. Uh, oh, we've done lockdown. We've defeated COVID. Let's basically rebuild Britain sort of thing. So I, I just think what could be the main message? Because they've essentially managed to anger young people, self-employed, <laughs> uh, the, the pensioners, the homeowners, renters. <laughs> so, yeah, so pretty how much do you win everybody. The- <laughs> <laughs> how do you do it? <laughs> Oh God! That, now there's the there's the million dollar question. Um, but I I do know it will be interesting. Um, a group of Tory MPs today have come out and said that the Prime Minister needs to ash, uh, add some meat and flesh to the bones of Leveling Up. It has to be more than a slogan. And they might they even went on to further to say, well, or face the political consequence. Oh. In other words, people are starting to hold his feet to the fire over this stuff. One thing I expect to be quite central over. Um, Leveling up, but it'll cross into other sectors as well. Is education. If you looked, if you looked at Keir Starmer's speech, a big section of it was on education. 
and it went down really well when you kind of break down all the polling about which bits people liked and the education stuff was was very popular so i expect a lot of emphasis on getting kids back up to speed uh, further investment in uh, vocational studies and apprenticeships i expect a lot of that to be in there yeah um i think there will be some i think redemption was what you said earlier was a good was a good word i think there'll be a lot of that uh, boris is starting to lose a bit of his base and but over things like covid over the mainly over covid if we're being brutally honest, particularly the COVID passport stuff, the endless lockdowns, a lot of those kind of voters aren't overly thrilled with the prospect of them looming, um, of, like being around. And it will be very interesting to see what, how Boris kind of plays the different groups uh, again, not against each other, but kind of placates them to keep them all together and to keep them happy. Um, I doubt he'll mention HS2. I'll be surprised. He may get a drop in. Um, but I'd be surprised if it's um, any further, anything further than just to drop in. But I expect the NHS again will be a huge. Oh yeah, piece. yeah, it's going to go all out. Our NHS. He's yeah, gonna, yeah, really, our NHS. Yeah, he's going to use the he'll, he'll mention how the Labour Party just voted against further investment in the, in the NHS, and they say that how the party of the NHS. I, that line will be repeated yeah. quite a lot throughout conference. The, the slogan is probably just going to be the NHS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you're going to have a situation. Firstly. I mean, we talked about ordinary people, you know, the left behind, everybody's been affected, yeah. and the supporters, voters, and everybody else. There's a group of people, we probably need a one minute silence and the thoughts and prayers to the, the attention seekers uh, in politics there who joined the cabinet, people like Matt Hancock and Gavin Williamson, who were so excited to wait two years to get to conference, to sit in the front row right behind all the kind of main ministers to get the cameras on, and then just before conference, they lost their jobs. So, I feel so sorry for Gavin and Matt. <laughs> uh, well, I tell you right, who you should feel sorry for is people like myself who have to organise events for conference. And we're like, we spent so long wrangling MPs around and getting them, particularly cabinet ministers and stuff, to get the Matt stuff. And then Boris Johnson, like two weeks before conference, goes, I'm just going to change everybody. And so it's just, it's about two months worth of work, just completely out the window. Uh, that's who you should feel sorry for. People like me who have to put this stuff together. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it is it's a lot of changes and to be fair i think because of that uh, my view is he, he probably would stay away from certain like focus on just policy he would just go with the uh, yeah. one-way pmqs so he's just gonna basically target starmer he's gonna make a lot of jokes is an easy target and you know everyone's gonna love it and even even those who are kind of uh the disillusion people are like you know losing faith in boris are like ah banter boris is back yeah. so that's gonna probably work anyway but we're going to have to I wait and see one, how... Just really quickly, there is one thing I think I, I, he will kind of focus on quite a lot, and that is Angela Rayner. Mm. Her comments at Labour yeah. Party conference were, I think, disgusting, if I'm being honest. Like, don't get me wrong, I hate, I don't particularly like a lot of people in politics, but I would never use a word like that to describe a political opponent. I generally wouldn't. And yeah. it, it riled up. And I mean, she did end up apologising, I think, on the last day or when she did a quick interview on Politics Live. Yeah, um, it wasn't a real apology. And then she, and then she <laughs> it was one of those real apologies. It was, oh, it's just being bombastic kind of thing. Yeah. But I, I, bet, I bet you any money, she'll end up being a, a butt of many jokes. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I that That's yeah. the one thing. I, 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 not just in Boris's speech, but I imagine in Rishi's speech as well. I think, uh, and... Um, in a lot of other cabinet ministers and throughout the conference as well, there'll be this underlying um, oh. joke about the word that she used. Because as 
and many people again will maybe not know outside of conservative party conference you get a lot of labor party protesters you get a lot of the socialist workers turn up and having tory mm, shouted at you i don't mind i find it quite funny yeah i love but it. It, it yeah no, but um, <laughs> you know it, it is a good way to say well you know you might not like what we're doing but we don't behave like that and there will be i think that will be quite a common theme throughout i mean it's, it's know, all about civility yeah. in politics it's, it's the way yeah it's about civility and i think even with andrew romaine you mentioned the apology thing to be fair but she only said she would offer an apology if Boris wanted. I mean, that, that's not an apology. You need, no. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll see you outside. Like, what, what, that <laughs> what are you trying to do? It makes no sense. It, it, it goes back to kind of the, the main issue of uh, you got party politics, you got actual uh, policies, you got governments, you got real people having real problems. Yeah. And uh, not many people actually would care about conferences, uh, ordinary people out there. But you know, the PM speech is very important. They still see the clips mm. or the, the news articles about it. There is a, there are a lot of issues happening in the world. You got Australian government going crazy with lockdown. You got the the Biden government not being a government. I don't know what's going on there, and you got you know other issues. You know security. You got Taliban. You also have issues with Julian Assange. And I wanted to kind of talk about Julian Assange because we got the latest on Assange and the saga is that uh, you know we always talk about uh, the characters. You know, good guy, bad guy. What do you, do you agree? Or do you not? This time. Because the stories that have now been obviously released by even the mainstream media about the, the CIA and State Department, the way they're trying to handle him, uh, you know, try to plot to kidnap him or assassinate him and things like that, which is very, very like, you know, like 20, 20th century James Bond sort of thing. Uh, considering we're now living in an age of technology and that information, access to information is like huge and easy and the PR, that's the whole, everything's about PR. Do you not think that the CIA or you know, groups like that or the state if they still want to do things like this, they need to be careful not to be caught. Or if you are trying to be the good guys and Julian Assange is the bad guy, then if you believe in judicial process, then just do a legal route. Because, you know, when you get caught as a government going after a guy, whether it's good or bad, then you seem like the bad guy. Like, did, did you have to go and kidnap him? Like, just take, I know it's not easy to you know, bring him to America, but find the legal way. It's just a bit tricky. So how do you kind of um, analyze that? It is, it is interesting, a, a lot of um, the stuff around Assange and I, I, about how the CIA behave and even our own MI6 and um, it look at Mossad in Israel as well. You know, how these international security bodies operate has been, is not necessarily been the best mm. in recent years. I do have deep concerns about um, the plans to kind of kidnap Julian Assange. I, I just think it looks bad yeah and like you said there is a great pr element about this and i mean because what it is is a lot of people don't particularly like julian assange i have to admit i'm not his biggest fan mm. but um there are a lot of people that love him and the, it, when the cia suddenly start doing stuff like this or any kind of international body uh, uh, security service sorry they um they kind of shove people more down the conspiracy yeah. route whether there is actually a conspiracy or not yeah the, the way they behave pushes people should further distrust um, the political institutions around them. And, and, and trust in political institutions in the West has never been lower than it is right now. And like, it is laughable how low it is. And when governments, because don't forget the CIA and the MI6, they don't act independently. They act through government yeah. approval. It, it will fall back on them and it will make them look bad. And again, it's like if you believe in justice and if you believe in truth and all the rest of it and transparency, you have to actually do it, not yeah. just say it. Or and if for you, a very it, oh, long yeah. time. 
sorry, so I was going to say for yeah. a very long time, the governments, particularly the Americans, um, just haven't followed through on anything that they supposedly believe in when it comes to, say, how the NSA, the CIA, or even the, at this point, even the FBI actually operate. It's about again. It's all about it's about the, the look because even the existence of of things like Guantanamo Bay, the existence mm. of it, you know, if if as a as a government, you know, you could justify be like, well, we have to do something we can't do it on our land because of you know our laws. Yeah. It's just about the look because because of a- access to information, how easy it is for mm. ordinary people to find out what's going on, you know, in governments a lot easier than before, not fully. It's just mm. a bad look, and we already have those issues. Then you're going to have this. Also, my issue with this is that, firstly, the Julian Assange issue is not really a political thing in terms of left or right, because um, mm. we, have, we had a Labour member heckling Starmer with saying free Julian Assange. We have right wingers yeah. saying free Julian Assange. And you've got both left and right also attacking him. Uh, so it's not really a political uh, kind of spectrum sort of thing. But the problem I have yeah. is with the, you know, the, uh, the organizations like CIA or MI6. I'm just very concerned about our future because, because they are so incompetent. That not only they couldn't really do anything about the Taliban before, yeah, they couldn't even kidnap Julian. Like they can't even do basic operations anymore. So yeah, like, whether they're the good guys or bad guys, I'm like, I'm just worried about the operational skills. Like, are you guys in charge? Like, do we have to trust you now, or what's going on? Well, I, I, yeah, I know exactly what you mean um, when it comes to their operational capabilities. But then don't forget, well, I, 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 can't, I think it was the former head of MI6. I can't remember what his name was. I think it was Charles something. Uh, he he said he said one of the most famous things is. We, we we don't have the option to get it wrong. All, yeah. like They have to get it and And well, you know about our failures. You don't know about it. Either don't do it or when you do it, do it properly. Yeah. yeah. So like a lot of what their success is, we don't want to know about because we, the world is a lot more dangerous than many people actually believe it is. Yeah. So again, we know of their failures, but their failures are very big failures. Like, like I said, this the complete intelligence collapse over the Afghanistan and the Taliban is an embarrassment. Yep. How nobody has lost their job exactly. over that is insanity to me. I watched some of the Senate hearings and the, and the House of Representative hearings when they had uh, General Milley, who's um, mm. Chief of uh, Defence Staff, and uh, they had the Secretary of State there, I can't mm. remember his name. Yep. Um, and it was just like, First of all, you lot are trying to save your own jobs more than I've ever seen anybody <laughs> pedal to save their own jobs. But I was just like, take some responsibility yeah. for something. Um, and don't get me wrong, there's questions to be asked about how much the British intelligence know about the collapse. We don't really get much um, blame. We should, I think we should get some blame. No. <laughs> yeah, we definitely should get some blame because don't forget, um, most of our British intelligence comes mm. through what's known as the Five Eyes Programme, yes. which is... New Zealand, Australia, not anymore. Canada, yeah. America, and us. Not anymore. Uh, but my favorite thing about the Five Eyes program, um, who used to be a former um, MI5 operative, he did uh, he wrote a book and he used to say, Five Eyes basically don't tell the French. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is basically, which is now what this new, uh, the new AUKUS. AUKUS. Um, kind of defense yeah, pact. Is, a better name which for is that. again, don't tell the French. <laughs> and that's why Macron's um, picking yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, but no, like going, back to, going back to what we were saying. Yep. The... the this has to be some amount of uh, responsibility and accountability over these institutions. Yep. And for a long time, there's been a lot of failures. Again, even if you look at the FBI, uh, there was the uh, the very clear failure over the U.S. gymnast coach uh, with Simone Biles. I don't know if you've seen this story. It turns out that he's been um, uh, basically raping kids for a long time. 
and the the uh, complaints were made, and it was all and it's been all been covered up for over a decade. I think it's even longer actually. Um, and you know, like these are supposed to be the institutions we're trusting to keep us safe in probably the, in a world that is probably more dangerous yep. than it's ever been. And we just seem to be either led by incompetence or we're led by bureaucrats yep. that just seem to be more interested in pushing papers around than actually doing what is necessary to keep us safe. Now, I'm not taking anything away from the people that do their jobs and do them brilliantly. Yep. You know, our armed forces are fantastic. Um, the people that work in the security services, some of them are brilliant. I'm talking about the... Keywords, some of them. <laughs> yeah, some of them. I love that. But yeah, um, we um, we really have to have a serious clean out of these, yeah. of these organizations. Well, drain the swamp. So, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, speaking of drawing the swamp, we're going to be, um, so Peter and I will be at conference, uh, Tory conference, but also it's not a Tory conference. The Reform UK are going to be outside the conference as well. So I'm going to go report from there <laughs> as well. Let's, let's, let's see what Richard Tice is saying. Um, but the, the main point is that we've been doing these uh, Westminster roundups like this, split screen, but at conference, expect Peter and I, and also Daniel McElhinney, uh, to do, uh, obviously, with the, with the team, with Lacey as well. We're going to get everyone to kind of do... Yeah. Throughout the day, quick updates, selfie videos, give you kind of a, I'm going to go interview a few members. I'm going to heckle some people. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. And heckle. again, if, anybody, if anybody's watching you, is it because everybody comments, do come and say hello. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can find our stall based on anywhere that there's a booze or, you know. Yeah, anywhere you can find alcohol <laughs> is where you probably find us. <laughs> exactly. Brilliant. I mean, that's the thing. So uh, Owen Jones is going to be there as well. So um, we're gonna. I'm going to try. And get Owen Jones to come on the channel. Yeah. So yeah, apparently, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just shush the dog. <laughs> sorry, sorry, shush the dog. Sorry. Really. Good. Well, on that note, uh, Peter and I have a train to catch, so we're going to go get yeah. that, and we're going to get to Manchester, and we will see you guys in Manchester or from Manchester. <laughs>